Fasten your seatbelts. It's going to be a bumpy night. I'm going to get that gun of mine, and I'm going to change you from a rooster to a hen with one shot. Some people call me a freak. I hate that word. I don't believe in it. Better yet, I don't believe in labels. You know, I think you're the only girl in the world that can stand on a stage with a spotlight in her eye and still see a diamond inside a man's pocket. Because I'm up at five every morning working my ass off. Does someone want to just tell me to my face, you're never going to give me the scores I deserve? Welcome to Girls on Film, the film review podcast from a female perspective. I'm your host, Anna Smith, and I'm recording this in April 2020. This episode is the second of our isolation pods, recorded in our virtual studio during lockdown. Today I'm speaking to two brilliant women in the film industry who are also childhood friends, Dolly Wells and Emily Mortimer. Emily Mortimer has starred in films including Shutter Island, Hugo, The Party and Mary Poppins Returns, as well as TV's The Newsroom. Dolly Wells appeared in the films 45 Years, Bridget Jones's Baby and Can You Ever Forgive Me, as well as TV's Dracula. Together, they wrote and starred in the brilliant TV series Doll and M. Their latest collaboration is available streaming for you to watch at home. It's called Good Posture. It's Dolly's directorial debut and it stars Emily as Julia Price, a reclusive novelist who reluctantly takes in a teenage family friend, played by Grace Van Patten. Let's have a listen to the trailer. Do you think that you could ask Julia to take care of you for just a little while longer? Honey. My grandma died in front of me, kicked to death by a horse. It's not funny. No, it's not. Lillian, desperate for affirmation. (laughs) God damn it. Bright, creative, compelling. Well, hello, first of all, to Dolly. Welcome to Girls on Film. Thank you so much for having me. Well, it's an absolute pleasure. And hello to Emily. Hi. Hello. Thank you both so much for coming on to Girls on Film's second isolation pod. Now, I'm speaking to you both from London. Um, Emily, where are you at the moment? I am in Long Island in um, Amagansett by the sea. Oh, lovely. And are you and your family all safe and well? Yes, we're safe and well. I was just saying to my husband, it's very odd, this feeling of being bored and scared at the same time. I don't think I've ever experienced that particular combination of feelings. I think a lot of our listeners will relate to that, actually. Yeah. Dolly, how about yeah. you? Whereabouts are you are feeling bored and scared? Yes. Weirdly, I'm not that far from Emily, but it would take about a day by public transport. But I'm in Provincetown in Cape Cod, Massachusetts, which is also by the sea. And I'm feeling, um, how am I feeling? I'm feeling better now, but yet this morning, there was such a bad storm in this little town that the internet went down everywhere. And I sort of was starting to feel panicky and like, oh, how long can this go on for? But you immediately realise I'm not allowed to feel like that because I'm incredibly lucky and everything is fine. And it's lovely to have this distraction of talking to all of you. Good. Well, you know, we met last year, didn't we, when I was doing yes. some Q&As for Good Posture, yes. which is a film we'll talk about shortly. At the time, I think I gave you Girls on Film badges and I said, you must come on. So I'm excited to have I know. you both on Me the too. pod. Yay. Um, now, I wanted to start with a little fun quiz. The thing of being at home is that you discover stuff lying around the house. 
And my friends had a Zoom competition the other day to see who had the most out-of-date spices in the rack, in the kitchen. <laughs> I think someone had something in the 90s, which is pretty impressive. My mother would beat her. <laughs> really? <laughs> oh, my God, yeah. So yeah. would I. Yeah, <laughs> would you? I never throw spices or medicine away. Yeah, me neither. But you're supposed to. I didn't realise that. Or sun cream. And sun cream runs out apparently after six months. But I've got sun cream from when I was about 15. Well, in that case, you're going to have some good answers to my next question, because I want to ask you about the oldest film in your collection, not like when it was released, but like a DVD or dare I say VHS, because I have discovered I've got a VHS of Rita, Sue and Bob 2 recorded off the telly. Oh, it's one of my favourite films. I love Isn't that. it an amazing film? Yes. Love it. And it's on Amazon Prime now. We're having a gangbang. We're having a ball. We're having a gangbang against the wall. Yeah, anyway, <laughs> that's really bad. Brilliant. Action. Yeah, listeners, check it out. What can you rival that with? What have you got on VHS or DVD? I have got on VHS, this must be really old, my brother got a pirate copy of E.T. Naughty. And that was, I know, it was really naughty. I shouldn't probably say that, but it was so long ago that we're hopefully we're all forgiven and when I say pirate I don't mean he bought it he just recorded it off one of his friends ETs and I remember my mum being livid that I'd watched it because I cried for about four or five hours I couldn't stop that's a good answer that's probably dates from slightly earlier I would say than mine yeah. Emily how about yourself god it's so weird I'm trying to think they're all at my mum's house I've got like Grease, the original <laughs> Grease. Oh. Yeah, I think that's probably the earliest because that would have come. Well, I don't know when it would have come out on VHS, but I, know, I remember it came out in the cinema when I was like 10 or something. Yeah, so that's, I think but, you might have a winner there. Yeah, yeah, that's really good. <laughs> Brilliant. And what a classic film that is. Amazing. Oh my God, I loved it so much. I remember me and we have two other oldest best friends called Araminta and Polly and <laughs> Minty Araminta and I bought the album of Greece immediately I after know. we went to see it and we both had the album and she we both wrote our names on ours but she got hers wrong and sort of rubbed it out with a <laughs> you know one of those erasers that rub out pen and it just completely <laughs> ruined the front of her album and then she tried to swap it with me and I think I accepted it and I anyway I've got some lingering resentment about that Grease album with a weird like, rubbing out pen that had taken all the front of it off. <laughs> I think we were even younger than 10. We were still at primary school for sure. It is yeah. quite interesting when you revisit it as an adult and you go, oh, God, some of those lyrics are extraordinarily sexist in the opening number. Oh, my God, I know, I know. I'm really, really sexist. Did she put up a fight? Yeah, yeah. Stop it. Oh, my God, oh, my God. Not that I don't love it too, but... Oh, well, I could continue this for some time, but I do want to start talking about good posture, which is what brought us all together. And um, Dolly, as you will remember, I reviewed it for Sight and Sound and had a poster quote, so yeah. obviously it's sort of been stalking your work ever since. I called it an understated indeed that suggests Wells could easily be the next Gerwig or Baumbach. So, bravo, I stand by that. I loved you saying that. Thank you so much. It's so well, cool. thank you for making a film that I thoroughly enjoyed and I enjoyed writing about. Um, and it's nice to talk about it. So, Dolly, you wrote and directed it and Emily starred in it. Yes. Dolly, first of all, do you want to tell the listeners a little bit about the film, just to sum up the story? Yes, if you haven't seen it. It's about a young, a rather spoilt, young, charming, well, I think she's charming, girl, who um, breaks up with her boyfriend and just moves into a house on the other side of the street with some friends of her parents and immediately sort of causes havoc between the couple and then it's about the relationship that she forms with Emily's character who's a reclusive writer and 
that's pretty much it. There's some yeah. funny turns and there's some nice songs, good soundtrack, and everybody's brilliant in it. I can't make what else to say about it. I've gone shy. That's perfect. Thank you. <coughs> Let's have a listen to a clip from the film. So um, your father's moving here to New York, is he? Um, yeah, once he gets back from Paris. No, not... I don't want any wine. Uh, once he gets back from Paris, he's going to look for apartments for us. And Celeste? What about her? Help yourself to books, but just don't take them out of the house, please. That's fine. I'm not much of a reader. You should read one of Julia's. Change your mind. Oh, God. No, yeah, for sure. Emily, your character is very distinct and very direct. What did you enjoy about playing her? I guess just that it's just the opposite of me because I'm not... I mean, I just have never been known to be sort of direct as that Grease album cover <laughs> uh, Gates will attest. Well, I'm now being direct, very indirectly direct to Minty, like 35 yeah. years later or something. So um, it takes me 35 years to, <laughs> to say what I'm feeling. So um, I definitely really enjoyed and relished the opportunity to play a character who is just kind of pissed off at life and not afraid to sort of express it in a way and is at peace with the kind of darker more uncomfortable side of things or accepting of or something and not trying to brush it all under the carpet which is something that I definitely am guilty of too so there was something about being that person that was really enjoyable it was just really really enjoyable I relished it she did it so brilliantly too you wouldn't believe that she's not like that really I was gonna say that Dolly and when I met her I was like oh she's really lovely <laughs> I was thrilled by that performance I loved it. it was all a really fun experience and to do it was very strange directing him because obviously you know I've never done that before and we're used to writing together and being sort of doing the same thing together when we're writing whatever I was going to ask um, Emily how did it feel being directed by your best friend Dolly it was amazing to see somebody that you know and love so much and who you really rate and respect, but suddenly take on a role that you've never seen them in before and do it as sort of effortlessly and well as Dole did. It was very cool. And the atmosphere on the set was particular and not like anything else I've known. And I've just, you know, as Dole has too, been on so many sets, but there was just something... It was a family feeling. There was a feeling of kind of friends and doll at the center of it all. But she wasn't sort of, it turns out you don't have to act like a director to be a good director. Like she wasn't like putting on any kind of like airs of sort of authority, you know, that sometimes people do in, that, in those situations. <laughs> well, most everybody does that in that situation because they're feeling like it's necessary to keep the sort of thing on track. But doll has a kind of natural authority without it seeming that way. Like it was just being in a room with her and talking about this thing and everybody kind of paying attention to her because everything she said was was right and interesting and cool. And you didn't, you just felt safe and like you were in the hands of someone that knew what they were doing, but there was none of the kind of um, weirdness or fear or like, oh God, it, it just felt fun and safe and easy and like, a family vibe and I do really think that is always down 
to the director, like the vibe on a set. And partly was it was because she had cast, most of the people she cast were her friends, exactly. and which is always a very good idea, I think. <laughs> yes. And the same with like, you know, it's a script supervisor is a writer that I was friend, I'm friends with. It may be, I don't know, because I haven't directed, I've only done that, and I've, you know, doing something now a little bit that I'm currently not allowed to talk about, but it's with your friends. And so I don't know, maybe half of the battle is getting people to trust you. And because it was everybody I'd worked with, that was really lucky. And it made the 13 day shoot much. I kept thinking, God, if one person was really difficult now, this would all just absolutely implode. And it was just a feeling that we were all in it together and it was so lucky and exciting. And I just felt thrilled. It's interesting, Emily, when you say um, that most people don't behave like that, I don't want you to sort of name names, but do you think there is a gender aspect at play here? Do you think men are more inclined to be the big bossy director? Um, yes, I do. But but Doll was different from even all the women that have directed <laughs> Um, in that she's just, she's allergic to sort of being self-important in any direction or way or shape or form, which makes it so nice to be around her anyway. But even in a work environment, she managed to just make it feel like a total collaboration without any kind of pecking order. Yet, of course, she was absolutely in charge of every second. Um, but there's also that that feeling of just like, this isn't worth doing unless it's going to be a nice experience. Because I think that's what we also kept saying to each other on Doll and M was like, you never know in making something, like it could be shit. It just could be, even with the best intentions in the world. There are so many elements that have to go right in order for it to be good. And it so yeah. mostly isn't. Like I could count on the fingers of one hand, the number of things I've been in that have been actually good. So therefore you have to really, you have to make sure that the experience is one which is yeah. good because the thing itself could easily not be and that wouldn't be anybody's fault necessarily and so I feel like that's something that we kept saying to each other on Doll and M it's like the first part of the, the the statement was always oh god imagine if this is shit it's gonna be so embarrassing and then the second one was it doesn't matter like the most important thing yeah. is that we've we've had a laugh and that we've got each other I yeah. think that's exactly where we were really lucky particularly with Doll and M that like you know our careers were in very different points and Em was working really hard on the newsroom. She didn't need to be sort of desperately sort of filming two things at the same time and doing Don and but it was something that gave us both so much pleasure. But also it was, it was more of a risk for her because she, nobody really had a clue who I was or what I was doing. And she was, even from the beginning, playing a sort of slightly tricky actress. But we were so in it, we so knew that we had each other's backs and that we were going and that we were getting such pleasure from watching each other doing it that there was nothing really scary. I think that's what feels scary about when you do something on your own. And for a moment, Good Posture did feel like, oh, gosh, help. Is this going to be terrible? And oh, my God, I've got, I don't want to let any of my actors down. And oh, God, is Em going to think this is terrible? And oh, you know, all those feelings. But it was just so lovely. And I do think that as an actor, you're quite lucky to get, I mean, if you get the chance to direct as an actor, you feel you really, your first instinct is to protect the actors because it's such a strange job, just like what Em said. And she can't count on one hand. She can count on like two hands and two feet. So she's being silly. But you don't know there's so many weird little things that could happen that stop it from being I mean whatever good is but something that exactly how the director wanted it to be or we wanted it to be but I think that um oh my god I've totally lost my train of thought I'm so sorry I saw a seagull coming right past my head but um <laughs> I really had a point to make it was all gold you made it <laughs> to the leading lady our modern day Joan of Arc Emily yeah. I've been dying to meet you I know this is my friend Dolly, my assistant. 
She's more my friend than my assistant. She's my best friend. We've known each other all our lives. She's such a sweetheart. I was at rock bottom. I felt completely alone, and she just sorted the whole thing out. You're Emily's assistant, right? Well, I mean, I'm not really Emily's assistant. I'm her best friend. It's just an excuse to hang out, really. But she's paying you, right? I love that we're talking about this because actually one thing I wanted to mention in Doll and M is it's a really interesting sort of monologue from M towards the end of series one about mm. strong women and saying, I'm not strong, yeah. I'm vulnerable. Yeah. And that's really interesting to me in two ways, not just in the, you know, the way that the words strong women have been bandied about since then, a yes. lot, but also in the reality of the acting profession. And, and yeah. I think a lot of people might be surprised to learn how anxious people feel on set and that was really interesting. oh my god I know I mean that really I watched Dolan M again recently the first season so I'm sending it to somebody and I sort of wanted to watch it first and I think that that was such a lucky thing that it came across as well as we meant it because I think there's also a confusing thing first of all about working out what being a strong woman is because it's seen as such a bad thing I mean unless it's said by a woman it's usually feels derogatory like mm, yeah she's a very strong woman I mean she'll probably whatever so we were trying to show the joke of her playing such a sort of, you know, the mafia boss or whatever, but that it is so frightening, the day-to-day of it, it's so nerve-wracking and paranoid-making and you're sort of bouncing around waiting to be told that you've done something good or something bad. And it's very hard to keep your sort of, you know, your confidence and your certainty about how you're doing it. Also just the cliche of sort of um, what you're describing of like this phrase, strong woman, you know, we're looking for scripts which, you know, feature strong female characters. And you're like, what does that mean? I mean, imagine if you said strong male characters. That's just a disgusting concept. And, um, and it's like, it's so confusing because you don't, as a human being, feel strong ever, particularly. No. And I remember when I was doing the newsroom and it was all that, that was going on. I was acting in the newsroom at the same time as we were doing this. And a lot of what we wrote in Doll and M was drawn from that experience where I was playing a strong, a strong woman. <laughs> and I kept getting congratulated on, you know, how wonderful to be finally playing such a strong woman. And I was like, Oh my God, I don't think I'm, I don't think I'm strong enough to play this strong woman. What does that even mean? And I know. feeling just so oppressed by this, label which just seemed as much a part of the problem as stereotyping women's roles as anything and um mm. i think we were trying to kind of call out but what does that even mean uh, as either a woman or a man you know and let's talk about that <laughs> I, I think you were massively ahead of your time in that because it's a conversation that since we launched a year and a half ago has been getting mm. louder and louder and a lot yeah. of the filmmakers that we interview sort of say you know, it's not about being strong, it's about being complex. It's about having female characters yes. that seem, it's exactly that what you real, were saying on Doll and M, that seem real. Yeah, yeah people yeah. can relate to, um, you know, and then, yes, they yeah. might be strong sometimes, they might be weak other times. Exactly, um, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's interesting to think about how things have changed since then, and we've had Fleabag since then. I mean, do you feel that Doll and M would be different if you made it now? Would you even make it now? Um, we would make it now, wouldn't we? I'd love to keep making it now. Please do, and it would, definitely. And it, and it wouldn't be... I don't think, well, I think the difference is that there's much more room for it now. Like Fleabag, you know, there's lots of shows that are, are Killing Eve. I mean, those are female-driven shows that have sort of, that now nobody would dare say what I remember them saying to my husband. He was like, have you seen Don Lem? They went, isn't that a chick show or something? And he was just like, what? You know, no one would dare talk like that now. I mean, you know, now 
Fleabag is being sort of heralded by everybody, male, female, and that's amazing and wonderful. So you might think, okay, I'm writing it for a larger audience or I'm writing it for, but I think you'd still be dealing with the same things because yeah. it hasn't really well, changed. And, well, and although also, like it might have changed a little bit in the sense that we've been writing something recently where we've got a character who is basically is Barack Obama and he's talking to a woman who's a little bit, sort of unhinged from the cover of a magazine and he's telling her terrible things and giving her absolutely terrible advice but it's obviously just a manifestation of her own head but yeah. we were enjoying writing <laughs> Barack Obama who is completely unassailable like he is one of the few unassailable people in the world like he's just a brilliant person there's no one no one can say he isn't but there's something pleasurable about having <laughs> Barack Obama just like tell this woman terrible things and tell her to do yeah. terrible things and, and that be a manifestation of her sort of inner uh, confusion but I don't think we'd be quite uh, in the zeitgeist we'd be sort of in the, in the zeitgeist a little yeah, bit yeah one, foot in one, one of, foot in one foot out sort of hovering which yeah. is probably our um, I mean I don't know probably if we hadn't had one foot a little bit out it could have been a bit more commercial I don't know well, I loved it. I've been binge watching it this week and it's just no. brilliant. And I advise anyone no. to catch up with it oh, if they can. You. Oh, thank so you. So much fun. Thank you. What are you working on at the moment? Are you working on anything together? Well, we are. We're writing yeah. this thing together. Um, what can we say about this, Anne? So um, we're writing a, uh, a, a sort of an Adolinem-like but it's two different characters, very different characters. Yeah. But it's an equally toxic sort of fucked up relationship between two women who are way too uh, old enough to know better and um we're writing a pilot and, and then going to take it out and then we're in yeah. the process of getting doll and m sort of back on streamers on the telly. and yeah on the telly and yeah. so that's cool to get to another little generation of people that might not have seen it and then to get the existing series on the telly yes Yes, yeah. to get the existing series back on the telly. And then I think we're going to maybe try and write another one of those too. Um, yes, and yes, then, we'd love Dole, to. tell them about what I'm you're not, doing. I'm not, so I just cool. asked, yeah. I'm not allowed to say it. It's so boring. Yeah. But um, Oh, okay. So Dolly's making something that's very timely and obviously <laughs> involves not leaving her house. And, yes, and um, that's, all, that's all you're allowed to say, I think. So watch this space. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. watch this space. And then M is going to be directing. Yes, I'm directing something that I wrote that's an adaptation of the Nancy Mitford novels, The Pursuit of Love, that um, was written in the 19... Well, after the Second World War, but set between the wars. And it's about women, very much, about sort of romantic love, but really about the love between two girls. But anyway, so I, I, I adapted that, and then Dolls going to be in it. And it, 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 well, it's, it was about to start filming when the... Um, when the whole world came to an end. So um, hopefully the minute... A, it, a pause. Yeah, there's been a pause yeah. in production and then it's, um, well, if everything goes well, it will still be on at Christmas time, but it's got Lily James and Dominic West and Andrew Scott and Dolly Wells and uh, <laughs> in, appearing in it. That sounds so up my street and Girls on Yeah, it's going to be brilliant. Cannot wait. Oh, uh, yeah, I can't, I can't wait to talk to you about it more, yes. Dolly, is there anything else you wanted to mention, what you're up to? I'd love to mention that Good Posture, sadly, was supposed to come out in America tomorrow, 
but because of all of this obviously it isn't right now and it will come out in america online later on but now you can still watch it in england like i'm getting a sort of different voice as i start trying to vlog my wares <laughs> but you can still watch it in england because if you're bored and you're at home and you don't know what to watch you can watch it on amazon or i think it's on bt curzon home cinema google itunes chili all those things and i suppose if you're still trying to look for something to watch you could watch me being a strong woman in dracula which is on netflix brilliant thank you Jolly. <laughs> that brings me nicely to our next section which is reviews of things you can actually see at the moment when you're stuck at home so mm. i wanted to ask you both particularly if you have any recommendations of viewing for isolation but also particularly a lot of our listeners have children and they are stuck at home with yeah. the kids and they're wondering what to watch with the kids now you've both got children i don't know what what ages mm. are your children well, mine are so old mine's almost 18 and the other right. my son is 15 Right, so you've got teens. Mine are 10 and 16. Yeah. So my daughter's been really enjoying, she's been suddenly watching so many films. So she went through a whole Harmony Korean of watching everything by Harmony Korean. And then she's been watching Wes Anderson. And then what was the thing she loved? She watched, I want her and my son and me to all watch Rear Window again, because I haven't watched it for so long. And I just loved it so much. And I think that'd be amazing. But I would recommend for people with their kids, if they haven't watched it, which of course they will have, is Tootsie. I just get endless pleasure out of Tootsie. That's a good shout. Um, I like it. And also, your kid sounds impossibly cool. Well, my, no, my daughter, suddenly, <laughs> I know, I was really impressed. She's got a, a friend who she's been chatting to and they watch films together on, so they put start them at the same time and then discuss them afterwards. Yeah, she's suddenly coming to everything. Brilliant. Emily, what are you watching with your kids? Uh, we started watching all the Bond films, but we started with the um, Daniel Craig ones because that's where they wanted to start. And so those are, for some reason, the Bond films are, I, I am finding quite good for quarantine. They're quite, and they're escapist and yes. enjoyable. And I would recommend them, weirdly. And they're not my natural sort of go-to. <laughs> and I can throw in that my dad is in two of the, the old ones. He's in, my dad appears for about six seconds in For Your Eyes Only, dressed as Dennis Thatcher. And then he appears for about, probably about the same in the first Casino Royale. <laughs> That's amazing. That's so cool. I know. You've got to watch those. And then my husband's watched and just couldn't get enough of it. And I want to watch it again, but it's not maybe for children. Honeyland, that documentary, he just said it was absolutely awe-inspiring. Oh, I saw that. It is beautiful. And someone said that um, the documentary about Hillary Clinton's incredible. Has anyone seen that? My friend said it's a brilliant portrait of a marriage, apart from anything else. And what's so cool about it is that you realise that you know, Bill and Hillary Clinton, my God, there's a strong woman who went through such an extraordinary experience at the hands of a very strong male guy, you know, and was rendered this kind of, in a way, you know, victim who stood by her man and all this kind of thing. And exactly, I just think it's yeah. such an interesting subject matter for this moment. And my friend who'd watched it was saying that it's so cool because it, I think one of the quotes in it is, life would have been much easier for both of them if they hadn't loved each other so much, but they just are so in love yeah. with each other Aww. that they had to stick together. And then it was really painful and confusing and strange and blah, blah, blah. But I just thought that was so beautiful. You do get that. I, I fell asleep, but not because it wasn't great, but because it was a bit too late. And then I got teased by my daughter. She was like, because for that exact thing that I'm saying, that sort of like, well, did you love watching her sort of being humiliated and standing by her husband while this and this and this happened. And I was like, oh, well, no, I can't remember because I fell asleep. But the bit that I was really moved by was when she made a speech at school. This man is being quite patronising to the girls who are graduating. And she stands up and makes this beautiful speech that wasn't what was written. She just stood up and said it. And it was so 
powerful. So I did really enjoy what I'd seen so far, and I will continue to watch it. And then I watched one thing last night, just to vaguely for some research, but it was really depressing called, and you probably can't swear, so I'll say Don't F with Cats. Oh. Have you seen that? Oh, anyway. No, I haven't, but I kind of want to. I love cats, but is it is it not good? It's about an internet killer. <laughs> I don't know why I laugh, but, um, oh. but it is quite a clever documentary about this person that's just so desperate for attention and fame that it's apparently the number one of all people online. There's a, there's a rule zero, which is that you don't F with cats. You just don't do anything, that that upsets more people than any other crime. And so he does F with cats. Because I've always thought it was dogs, actually. That's good to know, because I'm developing a television thing for me to be in where I definitely F with a cat. Like, I really do a bad thing to a cat. And um, yeah. And I'm probably going to get murdered or something as a result. Do you think? Well, Is that what you're saying? Like, because, I shouldn't do that? No, 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 no. Because I can tell you the answer to that. No, because you come off, without giving anything away, you don't come off that well. So it's absolutely fine. You get your just oh, as long as you're not a good. Oh, yeah, if you're a bad person yeah. effing with a cat, it's okay. But if you're a good person, absolutely yeah. fine. Where, where's, yeah, you, yeah, yeah. where's you allowed to kill a person? Well, that's what's so amazing is when these people are talking about the situations, their eyes, you know, start tearing when they're talking, not talking about somebody being murdered. It's the cats where they have to sort of have a moment or take a moment or stop filming. Well, I've never seen a bigger reaction in cinemas as that when a dog dies. Honestly, when you know when you go in the public or with press, everyone just goes, "Oh no!" And I've actually seen people walk out of screenings when the dog dies, well, especially if the dog is killed, obviously. So I don't know cats or dogs. Yeah. Yeah. Well, there's this whole there's this last bit on this show that there's this very sort of they like they look like hell's angels. So these group of people who are like animal supporters, but they are they do it. They won't they don't want to get so indicted on television, so they won't say what they're going to do. But they really come after people who f with cats and dogs and any animal. And it's so funny watching these sort of I mean, it's not funny but interesting watching these huge beefy people being so vehement about sort of what they're going to do. I mean, obviously, if you see it, it is very unpleasant what they do with the cats. So there we go. That's the end of it. So don't watch that with well, your children. Definitely, definitely not. I wouldn't let either of my kids watch that. Or with your cat. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the cat might get very upset about that. Um, I've watched a few things that might be good for people with older teens, actually. There's something called Cellar in the Spades, which is a debut feature film from the writer director, Tyresha Poe. And that's coming on Amazon Prime a video from the 17th of April. And this is set in a boarding school in the United States, which is predominantly African-American. And I just thought I have never seen that milieu before on screen. And that was really no. interesting. And it's, it's, it's sort of a thriller, touches of mean girls, but much more serious and less comedic. But that's an interesting one, I thought, on a representational level. That's kind of a step into a different world that we don't see enough. There's also Trolls World Tour coming up on the 6th of April on the Sky Store and now TV devices. That might be good for little ones. And I've seen Jumanji The Next Level. That's coming out on digital on April the 6th. And have you guys watched the Jumanji films? I watched Never. one. I watched one yeah. a long, long time ago with Robin Williams. Was he in Jumanji? Oh, that one. Yes. They yeah. did a reboot. And what's quite interesting is the way they sort of play with gender and sexuality and, and archetypes. People become avatars in this different video game world or what is computer game world. And then they are forced to have avatars completely opposite of their normal types. So I think it's quite a good message about not judging by appearances and 
you know, that the Instagram generation could probably learn from. Yeah. So that's an interesting one. But yeah, those are all really interesting recommendations. You guys have been watching some fascinating stuff. Thank you. None of them were very child appropriate. No. Oh, 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 oh. Um, well, James Mrs. Bond Doubtfire was a good one. James Bond did, but James oh, Bond yeah. isn't really for little ones, is it? No, not Mrs. Little. Doubtfire, we watched again. That was brilliant. That oh, is so I hilarious that. too. And we yeah. watched, but it's really rude, but we all watched together because the kids love it. The Inbetweeners, and that did really make me laugh. I can't remember if it was one or two, but that's quite rude. I mean, they had to be definitely over sort of 13 or something. And you're obviously a very cool mum that you can watch that with your kids. <laughs> I suppose, no. I mean, there's moments when I was like, ah, oh, covering my eyes. But it is really it's so silly. I mean, the humour is so silly, but it was funny. Now, is there anything else you guys would like to chat about? Any final message for the Girls on Film listeners? That's such a brilliant question, and I'm not going to have an answer for it because we're not strong enough women. <laughs> um <laughs> For girls on films listeners who are wanting to make films, don't worry about any of that nonsense about making things about strong women. Just tell true stories about women that you know are or want to be. And it's really exciting now that, like, I felt so excited about being a part of that film, Can You Ever Forgive Me, with Melissa McCarthy, because I can remember one person saying to me, why would anyone be interested in that film? Like, the lead is this unattractive alcoholic who's sort of mean and... and I just thought being a part of that film was so cool and that it was it was just felt like a sort of turning point that it was so well received and that it was this middle-aged woman who was sort of struggling with life and was quite a curmudgeon and that people so responded. I thought that felt really exciting and made by such a brilliant female filmmaker, Mariel Heller. Yes, Mariel Heller, who we've had um, mm. on the podcast talking about that very thing. You're absolutely right. She's yeah. saying, you know, how refreshing that is. And, you know, how it's often so do, you, do, do you see an alcoholic, lesbian cheat, you know, yeah. as the centre of the story? I know. Yeah, I absolutely know. brilliant. Well said. And thank you for that inspiration because a lot of our listeners are um, filmmakers or would-be filmmakers and I think it's really lovely for them to hear that from you. Thank Thank you. Not at all. Any final words from you, Emily? No, I'm just very happy to have had this time chatting about things other than the coronavirus. It's been so nice. (laughs) Good. Um, And to think that cool women and men who are into film are going to be listening to this and um, sending everybody uh, love and and just best regards. And I I actually do think this is an amazing moment for (laughs) filmmakers to watch other people's movies endlessly and just go through the whole of like Ingmar Bergman and Criterion yeah. Collection and my my there's an a Criterion Collection app which I don't know does it do you have that in England it's so cool and there's particularly a movie called Tony which is such a weird name for a film it was made in like 1939 or something or eight. And it was by Renoir, uh, the same guy that did um, La Regle du Jour, you know, that oh, kind I of love seminal that. Yeah, we watched that together. And it's an amazing film. And absolutely, it's so cool. It's about Italian immigrants coming into France. So somehow very relevant in a weird way. And yet it's just so odd and adventurous and they're kind of experimental, shot in black and white, obviously. And I, me and my son were watching it and then I Googled it afterwards to see about it. And it turns out it was Wes Anderson's favorite film, which I had no idea. So if anyone's really a real film geek and wants to dig up an old film that nobody's ever heard of, watch Tony. I'm gonna do that. Great tip. Me too. Thank you. I hadn't seen that. Nice one. <laughs> I suddenly thought of it. I don't know why. That film, Mommy, M- Mommy, I can't say it with an English accent, Mommy, by um, Xavier Delon. And he's still very, very young. He's a brilliant Canadian director. And I really, really enjoyed that film. So I would recommend that as one. Maybe not Excellent. for children, again. 
I must say, this has been so much fun speaking to you both. I have thoroughly enjoyed it and it's been really thought provoking. So Dolly and Emily, thank you so much for being Girls on Film. Thank you so much for having us. Thank you. Stay safe and wash your hands. Thank you very much for listening to Girls on Film. I'd like to thank Heather Archibald of HLA Productions for producing, Jane Long for audio producing, our intern Heather Dempsey. And we've recently made a call for hashtag home movie posters. We've asked people to recreate classic movie posters in lockdown using what they've got lying around the house. We've had some absolutely brilliant ones, which you can see on Facebook and Twitter. So do send us yours. You can find us at girlsonfilm underscore pod on Twitter. Don't forget that Girls on Film has a Patreon page. Please go to patreon.com forward slash Girls on Film podcast. There you can offer a small amount of money uh, every month if you are generous enough and you can support what we do. Thanks to those who've subscribed so far because it makes a big difference. You can also follow us on Instagram on girlsonfilm underscore podcast. And don't forget to subscribe and review us if you enjoy listening. And as a thank you for being a loyal listener, we have a special deal for you. We've got 90 days of free subscription to MUBI, which is a great film streaming service you can watch at home. It's all pretty quality stuff. Go to MUBI.com forward slash Girls on Film podcast. You just need to enter your details to get started. Your card won't be charged and it's completely free for 90 days from the start of the trial and you can cancel any time. So thanks to MUBI for that. Finally, a big thanks to Emily Mortimer and Dolly Wells for joining us on our latest Girls on Film isolation pod. Please stay safe, everyone, and see you next time. There's no place like home.